pre-ordered me a Pine Phone. Ooh. The Braveheart edition. That's exciting. You get one, Cheesy? I did. I did, in fact, get one. Yeah. I'm look, really looking forward to it. What about you, Wes? No. Oh, no. what? No, it's okay. You know, I'm going to let you guys deal with all the first run defects and I'm going to pick one up later after they've solved all those issues. So what you're saying is you don't have a brave heart. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's going to geek vicariously through us, Cheese. It's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll be fine with that. Hello, friends, and welcome into Linux Unplugged, episode 328. My name is Chris. My name is Wes. Well, hello, Mr. Wes. Hello. Things feel different today, but still the same. Yeah. A little fresher. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Energetic. Well, and it might just be that we have a great panel. Hello, Cheesy and Alex. Hello, hello. Hello there. Hello, hello. We have a really fun show today. So we have some community news we're going to cover right here off the top. And then we're going to jump into Cheese's experience at the System76 Superfan event. And it's like a, it's like Cheese Unplugged this week. That's because right. on top of that, Cheese has been rocking the Pinebook Pro full time. So we're going to get his take on that and what he thinks. And to sort of round all of this off, the Pine64 community manager, Lucas, is going to join us to chat about the status of the project, where things are going, a little bit about this, a little bit about that. And then we're going to wrap it all up with some cool picks and all that kind of stuff that we always do. It's how we roll. Absolutely. I mean, we may not do a pick. We may. We may not. Sometimes I just sneak in there. Something I've been thinking about adding to the show, and so I'm I'm soliciting emails now, is I think I want to make a follow-up, a reoccurring thing for a little while, like a follow-up sprint. I mean, we've been doing this long enough, right? We should should take advantage of that. As we round out 2019, I want to hear what the folks have to say, linuxunplugged.com slash contact. If we get some emails, keep an eye out, Wes. If we get some emails coming in that are like, you know, like follow-up items, in that segment, what I'd like to do is cover people's follow-up to what we've talked about. But also, if we have any, like, additional notes to add, I want to talk about it in that segment, too. So, you know, maybe we were running we were running something for a little bit after we talked about it on the show and we discovered something additional. That'd be, that'd be where we'd slip that in. Something we might try. We'll give it a go. Uh, but it all depends on what you send us at linuxunplug.com slash contact. So let's kick things off with the news. But before we do that, we got to say time. Appropriate greetings to that mumble room. Hello. 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 Happy Linux Tuesday, everyone. Wow. You know, a big thank you to Brent, Byte, Neil, DM, Jill, Colonel, Minimech, Stefan, and TC for joining us on a new time. New time. Noon Pacific over at jblive.tv on Tuesday. Same day, though. We, we won't leave you Tuesday. And also, we have an awesome IRC show, showing, too. I'm getting like... Good first impressions. I was super nervous about this. All right, so let's talk about the news, starting with the good folks over at KDE. KDE EV, the corporation, you know, the entity, I guess I should say. The legal entity behind KDE. Is looking for a project manager to help them reach the goals. It's a PDF we have linked in the show notes. And in their West, they say what their ideal candidate is. Yeah, well, hopefully the ideal candidate is able to help the community in achieving its goals by being a reliable support system for all organizational matters. I mean, that includes delivering reports to the board, sort of being the person who's keeping track of all the things and making sure the projects are got everything they need. You could really see how they could probably use somebody like that. That would improve communication. It would probably improve cross-project collaboration, help them unify some of their efforts. Um, so if you think you might be a candidate that could help take the project to the next level, go check it out. I've spent the weekend again with Plasma just recently. It really is great. You know, I thought, I thought. I can tell. I mean, you're glowing. I I kind of, I I just, I rediscovered just how wonderful it is because I've been spending a lot of time with Gnome Shell because I I need to do these things. I need to try it out. And so I uh, had an opportunity to try out Manjaro Plasma Edition. I'm very impressed by what they've done. They've pre-installed some really great fonts. They're not necessarily all turned on or selected by default. But they are available for you to customize. Like some of my favorite editor fonts, my oh. code editor fonts, and my favorite UI fonts, they're all there. It's it's such a great experience. And yeah, you, kinda, you, you put it to me earlier, like that you, just, you avoided like a whole day of tinkering just because... Manjaro just had such a great out-of-box. Yeah. It's really nice when you see a good pre-setup Plasma. When you install just the Plasma meta package on a distribution like, say, Fedora... You get all of the bits and pieces, but maybe not all of the right default applications are set, and the UI is certainly atrocious, and it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a very different it's not experience. It's up to the potential of Plasma. And then you see something like Manjaro, and it's, it's remarkable, and 
you, I'll tell you what got me kicked off on this whole plasma thread. Other than I thought it was probably time I just gave it you right. know, a fair, yeah. a fair check again. I don't know if you recall, but years ago on this show, I challenged you to get Linux working on a MacBook Pro. How could I ever forget? It was like a late 2013 MacBook Pro. It's one of these MacBooks. It's got a Retina screen. It's got an i7 processor. It's got like a 512 gigabyte SSD. It's from the narrow when MacBook Pros were like nice. It's right? got ports, right? It's got all these things. Um, and it's still a very nice machine. And mine happened to get a, a replacement battery a couple of years ago. So it has a, it says the battery when I ran a test is like at 94% capacity. Uh-huh. <clears throat> not bad for a 2013. However, it's not the greatest machine around. And Linux on a MacBook had some limitations. Right. I mean, it's never the best experience you're going to get it. And so it just really didn't get used much. It got put on a shelf and about a year went by. And then we had our team sprint. And we cleaned out everything in the studio and it got set out in the living room, but like a mixer got set on top of it and some cables got set <laughs> on top of it, a small mixer, and it just got buried. And I was going through the stuff Friday and I see this old MacBook and I'm like, oh, is this the MacBook that's got Linux on it? And I pull it out. Literally, I have to dust it off, right? <laughs> like it's that dirty. I open it up and it's, you know, dead, dead. So I plug it in, it boots for a second, and then dead. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I got to let this one sit for a while, which I knew. It's just I didn't, I don't care. So I plug it in, I let it sit for like a couple of hours, open it back up, turn it on, and Arch boots up. Now, this Arch install, it says it's from 2016. Does that sound right to you? Is that possible? Yeah, maybe. 2016? It feels like it was just like a year ago I challenged you to that. Oh, my God. So anyways... I mean, the install says 2016. It's got, but it it had been updated several times since. And so it had a rockin' kernel 4.16. Hey. Uh, The current kernel as we record this is 5.311. So uh, it hadn't been updated since before the merger with Linux Academy. It had been a long time. So it was like opening up a time capsule. That's wild. It was really weird. So it didn't have like any of my credentials logged into any of my Linux Academy accounts. I'm like, how am I going to work on this thing? (laughs) And so I, I think to myself, is there any way this thing will upgrade? You mean, oh, you didn't reinstall, you just... I thought, no way, right? Because it's literally every single package has to be upgraded. And I thought, if I can run this upgrade, and it takes this install from over a year, maybe two years ago. Three years ago. Well, yeah, but I mean, the last update oh, the was last probably update. two yeah. years ago. <clears throat> maybe a year and a half. If it can successfully do that on a freaking MacBook, I will install Arch on my workstation. Because that's like, that's the ultimate Throw benchmark. Down. That's quite literally like your forever install right there. You're done. So I, uh, I ran it. I had to, I had to like answer a bunch of questions about replacing packages and resolve some conflicts. But once it got Scrolling up and back going. through the uh, Arch Linux main site for a while. <laughs> yeah. And even just going through my history, like, how did I solve this before? You know, that kind of like going through your, your bash history. Um, it took all day. But at the end of it, I rebooted that sucker. And it rebooted and logged in without a single error message to the latest Plasma kernel 5.3.11, the latest graphics drivers. No big deal. Everything. Wow, dude. Everything was done. Not a single error message, like no Plasma pop-up that says this can't load or anything. Just, and I've been using it since, um, well, Saturday, basically. I mean, Friday evening, Saturday morning as my work machine. And so I was like, well, all right, I'm going to put Manjaro Plasma Edition on my workstation here at the studio, and I did that. And just, just a reminder: um, it's there. Just there's so many great choices out there, mm-hmm. and as part of this process, I've made a pledge to sort of document, like if I hit any rough edges or bugs, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take the time now because I've gotten so fast now at setting up these desktops. I'm saving days of time that I used to spend, so I'm going to take some of that time to actually sit down. If I hit bugs, I'm going to go file a bug report. And, yeah. You know, kind of do that part and try to get more out of this process than I normally do. Um, but it has served as a good reminder that we have some really, really great options. And the KDE folks are really on to something. I don't know if it'll be my daily driver forever, but I, I really enjoy it. And so if you think you could help that project, uh, we'll have a link to the show notes on how to apply. I'd love to see them take it to the next level. Absolutely. So fun. So speaking of great desktop environments, Gnome Shell or Gnome Shell, they're starting something that I think is a brilliant public PR strategy. And a lot of projects should consider this. It's really kind of explaining their thought process on why they do what they do, 
what decisions they've made and where they're going. They've launched a new blog, the development blog for specifically Gnome Shell and Mutter. They've just launched it, but they say on here for a long time, the development of Mutter and Gnome Shell was surrounded by silence. This blog is a humble attempt to bring those two critical components of the Gnome desktop to the spotlight, even if only a tiny bit more. They do go on to note that it would be naive to say that posts will be published in a consistent frequency, (laughs) but the initial goal is monthly development reports and eventual one-shot deep dives into various bits and pieces of both components, which I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I, I love learning the thought processes behind the decisions developers make, and it often, I think, leads to a much more informed conversation around those changes, where a lot of times... When the project announces a change, it's met with strong reaction. Right. I mean, it may be something the developers have been thinking about for a long time, but the community has no way to know. And now there's a blog to check out. Yep. So we will link to that in the show notes. But more importantly than that, we're now keeping an eye on this. So I'll watch this for future developments. And if they have something really interesting, I'll uh, try to do a breakdown here on the show. And then, of course, like we always do, source link it so you can find out more. That's how we do it. Uh, links for this episode, linuxunplugged.com slash 328 for everything we're about to talk about. I think it's time to talk about Cheesy going to Denver. So, Mr. Cheese Bacon, you were our representative at the System76 Superfan event, an event I've attended in the past. And it's always a unique insight into a company that we talk a lot about in this space. They play a bigger and bigger role as their market grows. And so I'm really curious to hear some of your takeaways from the big Superfan event. Yeah, so so the event was wonderful. And before I really get into any of that, you know, I just wanted to give a, a couple of shout outs to, you know, Carl, Emma, Mariah, Josh, Thomas, Aaron, Ian, Nate, Jeremy, Kate. Uh, I'm sure there's another 20 or 30 or so that I'm forgetting, but everyone there is so awesome. Um, and it's so cool to be surrounded by people that are so passionate about what they're doing. And every single person there has that passion. So um, it's just great getting to meet everybody for one. But yeah, I mean, there were there were some great takeaways, uh, really three big ones. Um, I was lucky enough, obviously, to, to be able to, you know, go and, and represent Jupiter Broadcasting and Linux Academy. And um, they ended up giving us all a Thaleo, which was phenomenal. You're kidding me. Totally unexpected. Uh, absolutely unexpected. You're, you're talking about a computer, right? Not I'm, I'm like talking a, about the computer, yeah. Wow, that's incredible. It's great. And, and AMD donated all the chips, and Samsung donated all the NVMe drives. Um, and this is their revised version of the case, which is one of the takeaways. So, um, you know, there was a little humbub about, you know, the Thaleo having this resonant noise with the fans and stuff like that. So what they've done is on the bottom of the case, now they've, they've stretched the bottom of the case a little bit and included this flange that goes up along the side of the the chassis itself, um, which reduces the, the decimal level and under load is supposed to only be 33 decimals now. And to, to kind of put that into perspective, a whisper is about 30 decimals. So, um, you know, it should be considerably quiet. Uh, they've also um, adjusted the fan curves and they're doing that with the IO board, uh, which is pretty neat. So, um, you know, they're, they're, they're able to push different fan curves to that. And one of the things they told me was, you know, whenever you get it, you need to update it. And, and, you know, so that you get that new fan curve in there. I think I'm not going to update it at first just to see what it, what it's <laughs> like. <laughs> right. And then, and then update it to see if there's an audible difference there. That's a pretty remarkable thing. They custom laser engrave them too, mm-hmm. uh, but that wasn't like the only surprising announcement. It sounds like they have some huge plans for Gnome Shell. Yeah, so moving moving on, they have Pop Shell is what they're calling it. It isn't yet on their GitHub, but it's supposed to be released in with 2004. And essentially what it is is it's a GNOME extension to create a tiling window manager experience in GNOME. I3-like experience? Very much I3-like. Um, and while they wouldn't let us necessarily film that or take pictures of that, uh, we did get kind of a sneak peek, and it's super-duper slick. Really? Something you'd be interested in trying? Absolutely. They're calling it Pop Shell, though. Mm-hmm. Yep, Pop Shell. Oh, man. That's a bold move. Wow. You had me at Thailand. I don't know. Yeah, if if you're used to working on a, you know, without necessarily having to move your mouse around and stuff, and you're used to i3, I think it's going to be just one of those things that's going to be a, a natural 
um, extension for everyone to pick up and start using, or if, or if you just want to get into kind of a tiling window manager experience, I think that'll be a great place to start. Sure. And you know, on the on the heels of that, like so. Within the next couple of years, one of the one of the other things they revealed is that they're going to start making their own laptops. Um, so they had a big roundtable of what everyone would kind of like to see in a laptop, and of course, by the time it got roundtabled by all of these Linux nerds, the laptop would have cost about eight thousand dollars to make. But <laughs> sounds like my kind of machine. Yeah, so you know, but I mean, <laughs> it, it was everything, right? They really wanted to know what what users want and and what the fans would like to see in a laptop. And whenever I say they're going to make a laptop, yes, they already do make laptops, but they're actually going to use their new laser uh, cutter, which you can add additional tooling to. Um, so they will really be making their own chassis and putting this inside of there. There's even, you know, hints of maybe including a little touch of wood accents like they do with the Thaleo. Oh, that'd be sweet. Yes. Yeah, so, so they're really thinking about all of that. And and I think with the gnome, uh, with the pop shell uh, paired with a new laptop really makes sense for them. And I, I think it's the next logical step for them. Um, you know, they've, their, their new laser machine is called the, uh, I love it. It's called the, uh, the Trumatic 1000. <laughs> so I, I'm really looking forward to what they have coming down the pipe. If there's one company that could do amazing things with the laser cutter, it's System76. Uh, I've been a customer for 14 years, and um, I they don't sponsor us. There's, they haven't been a sponsor since last. And um, I still recommend people go to System76 and check out what they have because the culture behind those products is one that it's going to endure. Right. I mean, they're users themselves. They care a lot about what they make, and it really shows. You know, the thing I've noticed, <laughs> and this, I think, tells you something— over that 14 years is I'm still talking to a lot of same people I was talking to, like, you know, back then. Right. Like people, they, they stick around and they really become part of that company. And, and what I've been fa- fascinated with, and it really comes across in Brent's brunch with Emma that was just released, I think this morning, is how she has been able to build new roles and grow while staying with that family and that company. And, um, that, that's also a really unique opportunity. Uh, so you get a really, you get, you get a really great insight into their company culture with that extra that just came out. I, if you're fascinated at all, I, I really recommend it. Extra dot, extras dot show slash 33. This company is an important part of the Linux ecosystem. And Brent, your chat with Emma, I think really gave us a, a new level of insight into, into what, you know, somebody we talk about, Emma, who's been on the show a lot, does day to day. Well done, sir. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, her and I had a great fun chat, but there's also, yeah, a lot of really cool transparency about stuff I learned about System76, all the stuff that happens sort of behind the scene about making people feel amazing about the work they do, mm-hmm. um, which is great. I mean, she's the happiness manager there. I think she's on to a few life secrets, to tell you the truth. She's got a few things figured mm-hmm. out. Yeah, there are some true gems in there for sure. I think the audience might recall, if you've been listening to the show for a little bit, that uh, she had... Um, quite the medical situation at the beginning of summer. And that's why she had been absent for the show for a long time. Um, and that's covered in there too. Now that she's on the other side of that, it's good to hear. Extras.show slash 33. Well, how about that? Mr. Cheese break it. Mr. Cheese breaking the bacon there with the news, uh, with the I3 tiling window manager and the laptop prototypes. Like, there you go. It was smart of us to send our best, you know, best person over yeah, there. Yeah, Mr. Bacon will have to keep us surprised on all future Denver things that develop as our correspondent and over there. maybe some follow-up about how that thaleo ends up performing oh yeah that would be good yeah well yeah well yeah yeah good think of west you know what you know what else is a good idea a little housekeeping you gotta well, do it you gotta do it every Keep now things and then clean. we got a new showtime we want to let you know about you probably already knew but it's worth mentioning again repetition's the key to success we're now doing it noon pacific time you can get that converted at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar jblive.tv is where you watch it irc.geekshed.net pound hashtag Jupiter Broadcasting yeah join us live it's it's a whole other level of experience it's a lot of fun I mean there's probably a, sh- a show on each end of this that doesn't make it out on the on the recording um, I also thought I would tease a little something something coming up soon in the extras we were just mentioning the interview with Emma right the brunch with Emma brunch with Emma Cheese and Popey sat down and talked about ThinkPads uh, we've all oh, yeah. been waiting for this. If you want to hear Popey in his truly happy place, it's when he's talking about ThinkPads. <laughs> Nerd and out. 
I'm really nervous because I just pulled the trigger on a gift for a family member and it's a used ThinkPad and I want to make sure I got the right one. So I will be listening carefully to that extras in case I got to return it. So that'll be at extras.show. That's coming up probably later this week. I say probably like we don't already know. <laughs> right. But stay tuned. You got to wait, you know, expectantly. <laughs> I'm just like, if I say it, like, then it really has to happen. So I'm like, probably even though we already have it scheduled to launch. <laughs> you know, that's how I play it sometimes. So extras.show for that. And um, I'm really, really looking forward to the to the ThinkPad thing. And that brunch was fantastic. You got to go get that. All of it's available probably by about now as you're listening to this. And that's the housekeeping this week because it's not much. We got to we got to talk about Pine books and Pine phones. On this trip to the System 76 Superfan event, Mr. Bacon took only one machine with him and it was his Pine Book Pro. How's that been <laughs> living with? I mean, honestly, a, a pretty nice machine, but let's be honest, it's you got nicer computers you could take with you, cheese. You got nicer machines. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have more powerful <laughs> machines and, you know, she, machines that might be considered nicer per se, but the, the Pine Book really is a solid device. And Yeah, maybe nicer is not a fair way to say it, is it? It's right. almost maybe powerful, but design-wise, feel-wise, is it pretty nice? It is. It's, it's, it's a really solid little machine. I think a lot of people could get behind it. Um, the Chromium OS build that I was using for just, you know, YouTubing and, the, you know, the likes uh, worked out great. Um, I, I was able to actually bring the device to System 76 and and put it in front of Carl and Jeremy and Emma and oh, let, nice. uh, let them kind of nerd out on it a little bit. So, um, and they all appreciated it and, and where it's going. So it was really cool to to kind of cross bounds between one hardware software vendor with another hardware software vendor and put put these pieces in front of these other people. Um, so I, I've had you know pretty good success with it so far. I, I haven't had really any major issues with my sole device. So it's about what two pounds. That makes it pretty nice for travel. Yeah, super lightweight. How'd the old battery do on the flight? Watching videos and stuff. Oh, it did great, man. It really did wonderful. Um, you know, averaging six to eight hours of battery life. Um, I only charged it up once while I was there. So, and that was with everybody else tinkering with it and playing with it and, you know, the commute on the flight and all that sort of stuff as well. And it felt pretty solid in the bag, like it wasn't going to get bent or dinged no, up or anything? No, absolutely not. Absolutely huh. not. All right. And no fan while you're watching the videos? No. So it's passively cooled, so you don't have to right. worry about any fan okay. noise or anything like that. I will say you probably want to use some headphones because the speakers are down firing and they're just not that great. It's rare to find a laptop that that's not true for, really. Hey, hey, cheese! How's the monitor on that thing? I know you and I were talking about it. Uh, it's it's really great, man. It's a 1080p IPS display. Viewing angles are solid. Um, you know, f- 4K video playback, 60 frames a second. I think you can even bump. Uh, the screen is even rated at uh, 120 hertz, so you can bump it to 120 hertz. Um, I mean, it works great. It's a pretty reasonable price as well, right? Yeah, two hundred bucks. You could make it a Chromebook if you want Easily. using builds that are available, or you could run. Uh, for example, we'll have a link in the show notes. Manjaro just released a uh, third preview of their Pinebook mm-hmm. Pro Spin, which you can use Plasma or XFCE. Nice, or, right? Yeah. And, and I've been using. I've been working with uh, Fred f- from the Manjaro uh, team that's been helping with these builds, and I've been testing it out since the first preview. And um, each iteration, it gets, just gets better and better and better. So it's definitely a distribution. I think. A lot of people would gravitate to just because of the um, yeah. Arch sixty four support. Well, and they have a great plasma experience. Um, mm-hmm. I can testify. I can testify to that. But um, that's sort of what appeals to me about the Pinebook two hundred dollars. Great travel machine. It could be as simple as a Chromebook or as advanced as a Manjaro workstation. So the question is: is where is this at as a project? Where are they at in the pipeline? Well, Joe and Cheese had an opportunity to sit down with Lucas, the community manager over at Pine64, and talk about that and many other things. So, hey, Lucas, how's it going, man? Good. Hey, what's up? Oh, not much. Uh, Glad to have you on here. So, Lucas, I know that you guys have been shipping a ton of Pine books. Um, I believe I was in the second batch. Uh, But what exactly is going on with the batch numbers and, and where are we at right now in the process of shipping that hardware out to people? So we're currently on the third batch. Uh, it also happens to be the first batch which ships with a choice of both IS, ISO and ANSI keyboards. So that's for our UK and uh, US end users. And uh, starting from early next year, we're going to take a break. There's the Chinese year coming up. And then 
next batches will follow in March of 2020. And that's the ones that are being ordered at the moment? Those which are being ordered right now should be shipping in December and January. All right, cool. One thing that I I was curious about, I know that there's been a few hardware issues reported, Mm -hmm. namely the trackpad, uh, and that you guys are currently working on uh, some firmware patches for that. Uh, Can we expect when that'll be fixed? And are there any other, you know, hardware related issues that you've seen now that these are landing in the hands of people? So in terms of the trackpad, uh, we have been now aware for a couple of weeks, there's an issue with it. So there are two sort of separate aspects to the trackpad problem. One is uh, more of a luxury problem, which is that it's not very precise at this point in time. But then there is a more serious problem that it cuts out the functioning of the keyboard. Now, we already have solved the core problem, which is that it cuts out uh, people when they're typing. So when your palm touches the trackpad, as you type on the the laptop, it basically cuts out the, the keyboard preventing you from typing. So we have that down uh, and, and done, but we still are working at uh, improving precision of, of the trackpad because this is something we, we know people also want. Now, because you are effectively flashing an SPI chip that is on the keyboard itself, we don't want to, people to do this too many times. So now that we have the fix, we're going to work for a little bit longer, for a couple of days, maybe a week or so, to improve the precision of the trackpad. And then we're going to think of a way so that it could be bundled in some simple way across different distributions and and pushed to end users. So I'll vaguely say it should be out there within 10 days. But this isn't an actual hardware problem. It's just a software problem, right? It's specifically a firmware problem. Right. So it can be fixed. Oh, absolutely. And we have, uh, as we promised, the uh, flashing utility has been open sourced under MIT license. It's already available uh, compiled and we know that it's working. Um, so it's just a question of getting the firmware right. And uh, I'm very confident we'll be able to to get the correct firmware uh, working at its optimal within a couple of, uh, of days. So moving on from the Pine Book itself, I know a lot of our listeners are extremely excited about the Pine Phone. Uh, and I know that dev kits have been going out and you guys are starting to ramp up production for that. Um, who currently has one of these development devices and, and when can the rest of us expect to get one? So currently there are a handful of developers from the core projects. That would be Ubuntu Touch from Postmarket OS, uh, Sailfish, who have uh, the actual finished phone prototypes. More developers will be getting uh, their phones within a week or so from now. We expect to have them all shipped by the 20th of November. But development has been going on. You know, we have had a development kits out for about half a year now. Uh, so development has, has been ongoing. There have been some changes from the dev kits to these dev phones. And therefore, we, we need to provide uh, developers with, uh, with, you know, uh, with hardware which reflects these changes. Uh, so they can adjust the software. As for when end users can get their hands on it, in general, in March of 2020, but if you are one of those people who enjoys beta testing and uh, giving feedback to uh, to developers, want to be a part of the process, then uh, on uh, November 15th, uh, the Braveheart edition, uh, as we call it, so this is an early adopter edition, is opening with a limited amount of phones. I don't know exactly how many, but about 4,000 phones. And we expect those phones to ship by end of January 2020. So that was the end of last week as people are listening to this. So it's already available to order, except that it might be sold out if you've only got a limited number of them available then. I expect that it probably is sold out now in the future. (laughs) Yeah, in the, the future of when this goes out. So what's the default OS going to be on these phones and, and what kind of state is it going to be in? Are you asking specifically about the Braveheart edition then? Yeah. There won't be an, an OS uh, default on, on, on these phones. I mean, we expect that those people who will be getting uh, these phones are, f- first of all, capable enough to 
interact with the with, with the developers, uh, find the builds, and flash them themselves. So as I said, this is for enthusiasts who know that they want this phone, you know, months ahead of everyone else. And there is no such thing as a finished OS at this point in time. They're all lacking something. Um, so I think that currently, perhaps the most polished operating system that I've seen is probably either post-market OS with the KDE Plasma Mobile or Ubuntu Touch. But they are not daily driver ready by any means then? As of today, I probably wouldn't advise anyone to use them as daily drivers now. Uh, but they're not far off, to be fair. Uh, their performance is is very good already, uh, and most of the key functionality is there. I think that as of today, uh, the one thing that is not functional is the front-facing camera. Now, core functionality will differ from one distribution to another, but... Uh, there are at least two distributions which have the modem working, and and uh, I think that voice calls uh, have been activated at least in, in one specifically in Ubuntu Touch. So in March, when these ship out to the rest of the world, um, what default OS are you just going to kind of wait to see how they all start to flush out and what's ready for to be a daily driver? This is one possibility. Uh, we said some time ago that what we want to do is run these uh, OS-specific campaigns where we would customize the phones ever so slightly, maybe you know, use the uh, project's uh, partner project's uh, color or something to this effect and uh, ship the phone with that OS on it. So this would be, you know, so if we were to ship uh, post-market OS, it would have a green back cover um, if it would be Ubuntu Touch, it would be uh, coming with an orange back cover and Ubuntu Touch pre-installed. And then a portion of, of the money uh, from, from those shipments would be going to, to these developers. So we're exploring if it will be possible. We hope to ship with one of these bigger uh, OSs from partner projects. But by and large, it's up in the air. We'll see how it all shapes up at this point in time. You went into this phone project, presumably with your eyes open, knowing how difficult it was going to be. But has it proven even more difficult than you thought then? Uh, that's a good question. I think the answer is both yes and no. I always thought that software is going to be, in effect, harder because people, regardless of the price tag on this thing, people will want to have relatively good performance. Uh, but developers have really stepped up the game and they've, you know, things run as well as they'll ever run on this hardware. It's, it's really good. I don't want to say that, you know, it, it, it rivals a modern day Android phone, but uh, it's, it's absolutely smooth enough for uh, testing and trying out Linux on phone. And, uh, you know, I, I can conceivably see people using this uh, on a daily basis now. This is how good these um, distributions have gotten. Now, we knew that hardware is going to be difficult, but if you haven't made a phone, you just don't realize the complexity of it, even if you're told uh, how complex it will be. It's extremely difficult. I'm just really happy that we didn't go in a route where we would make some really complex and difficult phone, which would... Uh, definitely proved to be, you know, uh, an unimaginable challenge. How free is this phone going to be in terms of drivers and binary blobs and stuff like that? How open source is it going to be? So everything on the root file system is completely free. Uh, this includes uh, the graphics driver. So that's running Lima. On the phone itself, the modem is running proprietary firmware. There is some code in the outer focus of the rear-facing camera that is also proprietary. The firmware for Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, not the drivers, but but the but the firmware is proprietary. And it is my understanding that a part of the Bootrom uh, firmware, which lives actually on the SOC, is, is locked down as well. And that's the extent of it. So some of this can conceivably in the future be uh, freed, such as the camera. And, you know, if somebody uh, decides to take a crack at the 
at the Bluetooth and uh, and Wi-Fi module, then presumably it's it's possible. In respect to the modem, we know that it is running Linux, uh, but it is you know it's 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 locked down, and uh, this portion of the first stage bootloader, uh, it's it's a part of the SOC. It it can't be freed. Well, that's just pretty much how it goes with any sort of mobile hardware, right? You can't expect it to be completely free. No, absolutely. And, you know, uh, if there would be alternatives that we could choose that would be easier to free or, or, or otherwise, then we would obviously have gone um, that route. But this is the reality of things. This is our first sort of step in understanding uh, how phones are made and this is a very ambitious project. So, uh, you know, in the future, there's uh, also room for us to try out different things and different modules and, uh, you know, alter uh, the existing uh, Pine phone, maybe, you know, a year or two down the line. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, Lucas. Um, and you'll have to come on and update us uh, as things progress. If people want to find out more about what you're up to, where's the best place? So we do run a monthly blog on pine64.org and uh, we also have a Twitter and Mastodon account at the pine 64 So you can find out what we're up to on there. Great. Well, we'll put some links in the show notes. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you so much. You can tell it's an ambitious project, but they're matching that ambition with a genuine level of transparency. You really know what you're going to get, right? I mean, at the start of the show, we talked a little bit about the Pine phone, and they're very clear even there that, hey, this is an early issue of the device, and that's true for all their devices, <laughs> yep. so you're not going to have bad expectations. So, Cheesy, you've talked a lot about the pros of the Pinebook Pro. Ha. Is there some cons to using this device? There, there must be some drawbacks. There must have been a moment you were missing your main rig. Yeah, I mean, there are a few drawbacks, right? Like, no piece of hardware is perfect, or I've not found a piece of hardware that's flawless. Um, so, like we mentioned in the in the interview, the trackpad uh, does have some issues with palm rejection, which can be extremely frustrating when you're using it. Um, so, what I've found is that I turn it off with the hardware key, um, and then once it's turned off, I just use a USB mouse, and it works works great that way. Um, they are working on um, some firmware patches for that. In fact, they already have a patch that's out, um, and it's currently being worked on. So, you know, your mileage may vary. Um, they've been working on it really hard. I think there's a team of eight people working on getting it patched, um, and that will be essentially a SPI flash to the keyboard. Um, and you'll have to reboot the machine. And then once you reboot the machine, the trackpad should should be uh, operable and everything should be better. That's nice. So I've yet to try it, but that after the show today, I'm sure I'll jump in there and chat with Lucas and, and give it a go myself. Um, it ships with Debian 9, right? So you've got an older kernel. You've got the 4.4 kernel. Um, and along with that, you've got Debian, right? Which I love Debian. In, in in our previous episode, I talked about how much I love Debian and in all of its variations and spins and everything. Um, but you, you don't really have a huge repository of software. So especially f- compiled for the Arch 64 ARM platform. Or I suppose another way to put that is you don't have a huge selection of desktop software that you need Right. Because it probably has plenty of server-side packages, very large repos. Absolutely. But let's say you want Telegram or Quassel or something like that. You're probably not going to find it there. I do want those things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? I do. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. one way to kind of extend that, and you can extend that on the Debian, on the default Debian 9 build, or there's like some Ubuntu Mate builds and stuff like that for it out already. And to kind of get a little a little more uh, extensibility from the software, you can install SnapD. So you can install Snap packages uh, on the default Debian build or the Ubuntu builds to kind of give you that, get you over the hump with some of that stuff say telegram for example um so you know you can extend it a, a few ways like that um the manjaro build you know that we've talked about is is one that's going to be i think fantastic because you're pretty much going to find everything you need there and it's going to be bleeding edge um i think a lot of people will gravitate toward manjaro um once they get everything dialed in it's bright days for them there now absolutely you know 
Cheese West and I have a uh, Rock Pro 64 mm-hmm. here in the uh, in the room, which is essentially what the Pine Book is built around. Exactly, uh, slightly newer version. Um, so I want to talk about this in Mumble Room. If anybody has any questions about the Pine Book for Cheese, I'd like to give you a moment to uh, get now's, your questions ready. The time. Tag me in in IRC. Just mum tag me while uh, I tell everyone about Laka which is our pick of the week, which I think will turn that, uh, if you've managed to get yourself one of those Pine 64 boards like I have, this one was $60. Doesn't come with a dang power adapter, I might note, just so you know, you'll need to get a power adapter. And it's a barrel plug. Um, but once you get it set up, load Laka on this thing. They've talked about it on Choose Linux before, but it's a lightweight Linux distro from top to bottom that turns your... Pine 64 into a retro gaming console. Yeah, it's like running RetroArch, but they've got images for all kinds of different single board computers out there. So whether you've got basically any version of the Raspberry Pi or you've got one of these Rock Pros like we do, you can get this up and running. Minimek, you had a question about the uh, Pine book. Yeah, yeah, I do, in fact. Uh, what about GPU performance? So, geez, as I understand, you had Chrome OS on it running. Did you run any Linux distribution on it? And how was the GPU performance when it comes to composite and video and something? Yeah, so, I mean, it ships with the default Debian 9 build. Um, I was able to play back 4K 60 frames a second on that Debian 9 build uh, on wow. YouTube. Um, it, it was a little stuttery um, whenever I was streaming through YouTube, but whenever I pulled down like Big Buck Bunny and ran it in a few variations that the, you know, 1080p, um, 60, 30 frames, and then the 4K 60 and 30 frames, there was a little stuttering there, but it wasn't... I felt that it was just standard. Yeah, I mean, it's not, exactly. it's not a test. He just really likes that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's my jam, dude. <laughs> oh my god, I've seen that video so many damn times. I know. Me I'll too, note me though, too. the fact that it can play 4K content may be a bit irrelevant since the screen is 1080p. So if it can successfully play 1080p content, you're good to go. Um, can I ask a dumb question? Go ahead. Go ahead. Does it charge over USB-C by chance, or is it a barrel connector? It so it has a barrel connector and Type C. Um, oh. You can charge over Type C. And Fancy. you do have, uh, you can, you know, put display out through Type-C, which I've yet to try. Um, I will say that, say, uh, using like my, I think it's a 45-watt uh, MacBook Pro charger, Type-C charger, um, doesn't work very well. It, 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 it basically flickers back and forth. So I think it has to be uh, 5 volts is the max uh, that, I, I, and don't, don't quote me on that. But that's how the Pine 64 board works is it's five volts. Right. right. Yeah. But for an example, I have a, an anchor uh, battery that I carry with me whenever I travel. And I was able to use that same type C cable, you know, that I was charging my phone with, plug it right into the Pine Book Pro while I was on the airplane just that's to get a little bit of juice. So, I mean, nice. you'll, you, I think it, it's, you know, like a 14 watt, five volt. So um, another one that worked was my uh, Pixel 3a charger worked great with it. I note, too, that it has a 10,000 milliamp battery, so that gives the right. audience a little bit of perspective. One thing I, I, I'd like to know more about down the road is the PCIe 4X slot, which requires an adapter, they say, but you could use it to like load an SSD in there or other things. Like That seems like it has some potential, too. Yeah, I mean, so they, they're they working on the adapter. They had a, a, little, a little bit of an issue with it, and I think really what it came down to is the the ribbon cable was a little too short, yeah. uh, but you can buy an adapter, an NVMe uh, PCIe adapter for, I, th- I think it's like five bucks or something like that. Um, and then you can hook up an NVMe drive to it. I know that some of the NVMe drives are a little different in their height, uh, which can cause like the trackpad to kind of shift and stuff. Um, but I think, like I said, they're redesigning that adapter. Um, and I, I believe that they're going to bring that profile down a little bit. So you shouldn't have any problems. Now do note that if you do add an NVMe drive, depending on the drive and you need to double check this, if you're going to do this, um, depending on the drive, you could get, you know, a significant more power draw. So you could reduce your battery life. So there's kind of a trade off there on, sure. on what you're, what you're wanting to do with it. The age old thing, performance versus battery life. Cheesy. Exactly. Well, keep using it. Now, not only are you our Denver correspondent, but, uh, you are Pine Book Pro correspondent now. <laughs> also, again, a, a thank you to Lucas for taking time to join us on the show today. We'll have links to the Pine Book Pro in the show notes if you're interested. And, uh, I was researching up just, familiarizing myself again with uh, Pine64, I didn't realize one of their co-founders 
created the Popcorn Hour media player. Really? Which, for people that have been around for a very, very long time, I used to talk about quite a bit on Last. It used to be like my go-to media solution before the days of MB and Plex. Mm-hmm. And, and really, Cody. <laughs> I, I was really impressed by that. Uh, that's a good lineage. Really love that device. Another device that uh, they created, and I believe they're still selling, is the uh, Rochambeau uh, retro console, which is, I don't think, super huge here in the States, but it's pretty big over in Asia. Looks really cool. Yeah, that that does look like a neat device. All right, well, let's let's, uh, wrap it up there. We have uh, something in the post-show that I want to get to. I know that's a weird thing to say that I want to get to the post-show, but I got something (laughs) special. Go get more Wes Payne along with Jim Salter over at techsnap.systems. Great episodes these days. Just you guys are hitting your stride, and it really shows. I've been, I was, I was really enjoying uh, Jim's thoughts on Microsoft too after going to Insight recently. So check out TechSnap.Systems for that. Also, Cheesy goes on a little bit more and gets nerdy about single board computers on a recent episode of Choose Linux. Oh, that's a great one. Choose Linux show for that, and of course. The one, the only Brent with brunch over at Extras.Show. If you dig around. You go to the tag, you, you, might, you may, just saying, find an RSS feed and you can get just the brunches, if you like. It may be possible. That's an exercise for the listener, though. I'm not saying it's possible, but I am just hashtag saying. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm at Chris LAS. The network is at Jupiter Signal. The show is at Linux Unplugged. And just one last reminder, we'd love to start incorporating some of your feedback and follow-up as the year wraps up. LinuxUnplugged.com slash contact. And that new time, noon Pacific. See you back here next Tuesday. We gotta go pick our titles, jbtitles.com. If you're watching the live stream, it is your duty. Before you go check, maybe just go throw four or ten title suggestions in there. You Are know, we just do your, do your duty. Is the noon crowd? Well, no, I mean, we have 14. We got 14 new, titles. Wes. I know. And we didn't really recap the whole titles there. <sighs> it's a complicated notion. So you still have time. Bang suggests a great title, and then uh, we will uh, go <laughs> vote here in a moment. In the meantime, though, bacon. guess what, Wes? What? little surprise for you. Uh-oh. There was some extra discussion between Joe, Cheese, and Lucas about future products they're working on, like the Time. Oh, the Pine Time. Oh, yeah. And um, I thought maybe we'd include that here in the post show. So you've teased a few other devices. Let's briefly touch on those. The, I'm aware of the watch, the tablet, and even possibly a router, router, as Americans would say. So what's going on with, with those three? So the development kit for the... Uh, Pine Time, so that's the smartwatch, have gone out and there is an extraordinary amount of work happening within this sub-community. I'm absolutely blown away. I mean, I've already seen pictures of watch faces and all sorts of different operating systems pop up on, on Twitter. So there's clearly a lot of interest in this and we have been contacted by both educators and, uh, you know, people who just like to tinker with these low-powered um, ARM devices. And uh, we've recently reached the decision that, uh, you know, this is just one of those things that we probably want to have in the store so that anybody who wants to have a go at it can have a go at it. So that's the Pine Time. In respect to the Pine Tab, which is the tablet which we're doing, it is taking a bit of a back seat right now. getting. Uh, the Pinebook Pro's shipping and uh, Pine phones into production has proven to be, uh, you know, a lot of work. So we had to put one project to the side for now. But there's a lot of interest uh, in the Pine tab. Um, we get asked about it constantly. So we recently made the decision that we're going to start a very small production batch for people who are very interested in this. This will be akin to the Braveheart edition for for the Pine Phone. Um, So only for enthusiasts, in other words. We haven't decided on when it will be available, 
definitely next year uh, in 2020, sometime in Q1. But uh, we're still waiting for one of the partner projects to deliver an operating system that would be viable for the tablet. And the router then? The router is something that I guess I can talk about it broadly. Uh, I really wanted to do a router uh, for quite some time. I actually pitched this as an idea some time back, but then uh, everything else took precedent. And then completely coincidentally, somebody posted a question on, on Reddit. Would it be possible for Pine64 to, to make a router? And uh, this gained a lot of traction. And so I responded and I, and I was clear saying that we, it's probably not going to happen. But if we were to do it, what sort of stuff would you want to see in it? And um, I've spoken to both a hardware networking engineer and a software uh, networking engineer. And at this point in time, it appears to me that we do not have the right SOC for the job. It would just be, it wouldn't be the best router that can be. I actually was even contacted, and a huge shout out here to uh, PFSense, who have been so lovely. They contacted me and said, do you want to talk? And we talked, and they were just really good. And um, Audien, uh, a real gentleman, just having a chat with me and uh, trying to figure out if we could possibly, you know, take a stab at it. But but as of today, the decision is no, we just don't have the right SOC for networking. And it would be silly of us to try to compete with uh, with the existing propositions, which are simply much better. I love that uh, realism, you know, it's like, it'd be nice to do. We don't have the tech right now. Yeah. It's not, not, <clears throat> not a big flashy show. No. It's not Neo Apple. It's just... Well, and I think that that's one of the things that's really cool about the Pine64 crew is that you know, they're interested in providing the best product they can uh, based around the ARM platform. And so if it's not going to work and the hardware isn't there yet, then they're not going to put out something that's subpar because quite honestly, they know that we'll all tear it apart. It's perfect for a guy like me who I am perfectly happy to sit back and watch ARM devices get better and more sophisticated and more capable. I don't really have any skin in the game because I'm pretty happy with my x86 laptops. Mm-hmm. But I could see where... But all your Intel stuck. Yeah, well, <laughs> I can see where this... Yeah, I wish. I could see... Well, maybe not, actually. Mm-hmm. I could see where this trend line's going, though. You know, I can see where this trend line's going, and I'm like, I'm really glad folks like Pine are doing this. I Another one I'd love to see, just keeping it on theme for this episode... Man, I'd freaking love to see an, a, an ARM laptop like the Pinebook Pro from System76. That would be neat. Absolutely. That's got to be in the back burner up there. They've just got to be like, they've got to be tinkering with that in their Pop, R&D area. Popbook Pro? Well, it's something oh. that I've, uh, it's something that, I might have mentioned too at the round table. Is, uh, that but did is you call suggestion. it a Popbook Pro cheese? Because that's. I didn't, but I should have. <laughs> 